KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. A lot of eyes on the U.S. Senate and specifically the Democratic leadership to see if they decide to get rid of the filibuster, which would make it much easier for President Joe Biden's agenda to pass. Now, this is something that's been talked about, debated for a while. So what has to be done to make it happen? What exactly is the filibuster? How does it work? And is it a good idea to get rid of it? To break all this down, we reached out to Dr. Ben Dworkin. He is the director of the Rowan Institute for Public Policy and Citizenship at Rowan University in Glassboro. Give a listen. So let's start to find the filibuster. What is it? The filibuster is a Senate rule. It's not a law. It's not in the Constitution. It's simply a Senate rule that allows an individual senator to speak endlessly on a particular subject. In the House of Representatives, they allow for a rule that can close debate. We will talk about this issue for two hours. Not in the Senate. Senate allows for unlimited debate. The filibuster is when a person, when a senator wants to stop the movement of a particular piece of legislation and therefore continues on and on and on, and therefore you cannot get to a vote on the actual bill because somebody or a group of people are filibustering the underlying uh, motion, the underlying law that they're trying to vote on. So you say this wasn't in the Constitution, but has this been around since the founding of the country, or was this something that came in along the line? This absolutely came in along the line. It was not in the Constitution. It was not in the original Congresses. It was not part of the Senate. So the the history here is kind of interesting. The Senate was always designed to be more deliberative, a slower moving uh, wing of government. The House gets elected every two years. They're supposed to move quickly, reflect the passions of the people. The Senate, with six-year terms and staggered members, that is, not everybody is up every six years. You have a third of the Senate up every two, and so that was all designed on purpose to make the passions of the moment a little bit more diffuse in the Senate. That having been said, the filibuster wasn't there. All in, you know, in the early years, all you needed to do to close the debate on an issue and let's just get vote on this thing was a simple majority. Aaron Burr, as vice president, shortly after people realized that he killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Uh, Aaron Burr was vice president, therefore president of the Senate, and came in and told the senators, you don't really need this. Uh, You know, why are we doing this? We can close debate in any number of ways. And so in 1806, at the suggestion of Aaron Burr, they got rid of this particular rule that says the rule that allowed for 51 members or a simple majority. It wasn't 51 because we didn't have 100 states back then, uh, a simple majority to close off debate. Nobody used a filibuster in 1806 and 1807. Nobody used a filibuster until 1837. That was the first time somebody realized, oh, I could do this. I have an opportunity here. And it wasn't 
It was used very sporadically until we got really right around the Civil War. It was around those. So we're talking the 1860s that suddenly you had bigger issues, right? Voting rights, quality issues, bigger things became uh, and more partisan struggles came about in the country. And therefore, people started using the, the filibuster, but even then used very sporadically. And then you get to World War I. We're talking 1917. And Woodrow Wilson is pushing to be allow merchant vessels, right, shipping cargo, but they wanted them to be armed because we were being drawn into this war in Europe. People, uh, U-boats were attacking American uh, shipping. So this became a huge debate. And there were a group of people who didn't like Wilson and didn't like his idea. And they were filibustering this. By virtue of his command of the bully pulpit, Woodrow Wilson, the president at the time, effectively embarrassed and chastised the small group of willful men, as he called them, for using the filibuster in this way. And so they changed the rule because it became a public issue. And at that point, they said, all right, we got to be able to stop the filibuster. And therefore, they created what's called cloture. Cloture is the ability to stop a filibuster by having a vote, force a vote. And they said the way to stop it is that you needed a two-thirds vote of the Senate. Now, in those days, there were 48 states, so 96 senators. So you needed about 64 votes at the time to do it. Flash forward, 1975, the filibuster, we now have 100 senators, 50 states, and they reduced the number of what you needed to invoke cloture, to close off this debate to 60. So you went from two-thirds to three-fifths. So that's the basic history of of how we got here and and the filibuster. What's happened now is that effectively 60 is the what you need in order to pass anything. Because as long as you've got 41 people who are opposing something, and you can oppose it for valid reasons or invalid reasons, for personal reasons or national security reasons, any, you know, no one asks you why, but you can invoke the filibuster and stop anything from being passed. So you need now to work in the Senate, you need 60 votes, really, even though the rules say, well, 51 votes out of 100 people and you can pass any bill you want. But you can't even get to that point until you can get past the 60 vote threshold. And what we see is that it's been used increasingly by the minority party, which doesn't have the votes to to stop a bill except in this way. And what they do now is that we don't see people getting up and standing up in the well of the Senate, you know, taking out a sandwich and an apple and reading the dictionary or the phone book or the rules of, you know, just extending debate the way you would have uh, Jimmy Stewart do in the famous movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, that almost never happens now. Now, merely the threat of it 
hey, we're not going to give you the votes to invoke cloture. So the majority says, well, we're not even going to put it up. And everybody goes back to their rooms and they try and figure out a deal if they can get one. So that is the that's the history of sort of where it came from and and how it's being used today. So at this point, the filibuster and please correct me if I'm wrong, like there used to be a filibuster on like judicial appointments and it's been eliminated. It's already been eliminated like in those cases. Am I correct? Yeah. So the, look, if you wanted to get rid of the filibuster, the most direct way is to get rid of the rule, which is happens to be Senate rule number 22. And you just vote to get rid of it. Then it doesn't exist anymore. One of the problems with that is that you need two thirds to eliminate standing Senate rules. So you'd need 66 votes. And unless you've got a massive majority that we have not seen in generations or just widespread bipartisan agreement to do this, you're not going to get those, get that kind of margin in order to eliminate the rule. And so what they've done, what the senators have done a couple times in 2013, 2017, is to change the rule a little bit. Effectively, this is reform by ruling. What they do is, it's complicated, but to leave it, I think, suffice to say, Senate majority through a simple majority can invoke a new rule and say, we're going to adapt this rule. And they've adapted it first for judicial nominations, excluding the Supreme Court, and then they extended it to the Supreme Court. So in those cases, you, you just need 51 votes to move somebody forward in the, in the process. Okay, so you can change it. And if we're going to see any kind of change moving forward, it'll probably be this technical adoption that the Senate majority would do. So the way I have seen it, and you mentioned like 2013, and, and it's, it's become kind of this escalating war where is kind of the bait, and once again, if I'm mistaken, the first move that got rid of it for judicial nominations was basically because Mitch McConnell just wouldn't let any judges go through, period. It wasn't a matter of whether they were qualified. He just turned the valve off, and then Harry Reid kind of went nuclear so they could get Barack Obama's judges through when it's just kind of built from there? Yes. And so Harry Reid, who was the, the U.S. senator, one of the U.S. senators from Nevada, and was the majority leader for the uh, Democrats when they had the majority at the time, said, this is crazy. And so he changed the rule. And then you moved forward. And so now they didn't get rid of it when the Republicans came into charge and Mitch McConnell went from minority leader to being the majority leader. Uh, he's like, well, this is good. I'm not going to get rid of this. We're going to have Donald Trump. We're going to you know, push forward what we want. But he knew he was going to get United States Supreme Court nominees. And he wanted the, the same kind of threshold for that for those as well. And so he changed it on his watch so that now it's a simple majority for both superior and, uh, you know, appellate court judges, the rest of the federal judiciary and the top level, the Supreme Court. Do you anticipate we will see it go away across the board? Because it seems like there is a lot of, I don't want to say momentum, but a lot of talk, especially now with the Democrats having all three branches. Uh, 
it seems to me there's an awful lot of pressure on Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, to do this because Mitch McConnell is just not going to really, I think, you know, come halfway on anything if we are to believe history. So do you think we will see the end of this period? Yes, but I'm not sure when. I, I think there are increasingly fewer and fewer members of the Senate who hold dear this particular tradition. I mean, it's nice to have the power to be able to do this. It's nice to be able to gum up the works. If you want to fight for something for your state, suddenly, hey, you have to deal with me because I'm not. I'm going to filibuster uh, this thing. And so there is a certain leverage that senators are hesitant to give up. When you're in the majority, you know enough about politics that you could be in the minority. And so whatever you can get done today could be undone by somebody uh, in the next election. Uh, That having been said, I think there are just, or to repeat, I, I think there are fewer and fewer senators who think this works the way it's supposed to work, who where it accomplishes what it's supposed to accomplish. And therefore, we will see the elimination or certainly a significant change to it. I don't think it's going to happen. We'll probably wait six months to see. There's momentum at the beginning of any new term uh, of a new president. They're going to you know, push things through. They're going to try. There's a, obviously um, a tremendous amount of uh, effort by the Biden administration to at least make efforts to reach out across the aisle. But the Democrats at this point also think that they want, they want that they're in the majority, they want the presidency. And so they get to drive the agenda, uh, not the minority. So it'll come, but I think it could come six months from now. And we're talking about, you know, there could be other changes short of simply eliminating the filibuster. And let me give you two examples. One is that we can move the number needed to invoke cloture, to stop debate, and to end a filibuster. We can move it to 55 from 60. So if you need it, 60 is a big number these days. In a, but 55, you know, Democrats have 51, maybe, a, you know, fine four. So that could be a way of let's make it easier to stop debate and to move forward on things. Another way is to require the person who is invoking the filibustering to actually be there. Now they can, they can be anywhere. They can be anywhere back home in their home district, in their home state, and simply let word go forth that they are not going to give their voice to this. And so everything gets gummed up. There are Those are kind of sort of interim options without eliminating this tradition of the filibuster. There, But again, there's increasingly less support to even have it. So I think that what we're going to see now is that the Democrats are going to try and work with Republicans where they can. But if they find just dead set intransigence, then sure, they may well just say, you know, this doesn't work anymore. It's not it's coming up the people's business. It's not allowing things to get forward. We can't even vote up or down on these folks. So we're going to move forward with getting rid of it. But that could be closer to the summer uh, or the fall. Yeah, because that's really the problem. I think the concept is really fascinating and really interesting when we're having an intellectual exercise talking about 
you know, the ideas of good governance. But this thing's, it's, I mean, frankly, let's be, it's, be honest, it's been weaponized as just a way to shut off, make it virtually impossible. Specifically, it's, you know, it seems like it's been Mitch McConnell, the Republicans, main tool here and to just say no it's not based on this is bad for my district or this is too much money or or anything that comes from a a set of beliefs it's just a weapon to prevent anything from getting done look democrats democrats may well will try and use it as much as they can and they certainly did it when they did not when they were in the minority in the senate so Yes, Mitch McConnell uh, helped, but Harry Reid started, you know, sort of got this going and started the ball rolling. Mitch McConnell uh, extended it, and Democrats, when they were in the minority, were certainly willing to use it uh, to stop any of these policies from the Trump administration that they felt really strongly against as much as they could. Now, they couldn't stop any of the judicial nominations because it had already been eliminated there. So I, I just... I think we should be hesitant to place all the blame on Mitch McConnell. He deserves a lot of it, but it's not like Democrats uh, want to give this up and wouldn't do the same thing if their roles were reversed. That, you know, having been said, if you got rid of it, what would happen in the U.S. Senate? You would pass a lot of things. A lot of legislation uh, would happen. And you could see any number of items in the Democratic agenda simply because they have now control of the House and the Senate, thinly in the Senate and the White House. You could see a lot of the Democratic agenda move forward in significant ways. In two years, we have another election. And midterm elections for a first-term president are traditionally bad for the president's party. So historically speaking, we would expect Republicans to do better in 2022. What you could see happen is the Republicans come in and now there's no filibuster and they can do everything they wanted to do. So you have to, if you're a partisan on either side and you have control, that's good. But the other side could get control just two years later and could A, undo it and do a lot of other things that you really don't want to see. But maybe that's the way... Elections are supposed to work, right? I mean, that's why the argument in favor of getting rid of it is we shouldn't care about what might happen two years from now and any of these things getting reversed. We should simply try to get what we get done, show that it works, and and go from there. It seems like our only options are to stop everything or to pass a ton of stuff. It. I don't know. Maybe I'm being like the naive, well, hopeful, no, like I, that. There's like a middle ground. I, I understand what you're, but like that. There's. It's a shame there can't be like this middle ground where everybody kind of acts rationally and you know, and we don't weaponize procedures and stuff like that. But you know, maybe that time's come and gone. We're heading towards that. I mean, I, I think that's where, where we're heading towards, and I think what's going to allow it is that even if you had just 51 votes. Needed simple majorities as originally intended for the Senate to pass any particular piece of legislation. Democrats have only 51 votes, and that's with the vice president, right? So, uh, breaking the, a 50 50 tie in the Senate. So, Joe Manchin, a rather conservative Democrat from West Virginia, or Bernie Sanders from Vermont, can both hold. 
the Democratic Party hostage themselves, even on in those situations, simply because you're not going to have the 50 votes unless you have me. And therefore, you've got to find more people. So I am, I don't think it'll be crazy. I think things will get done if you got rid of the filibuster, but you still need to find the 51 votes. And even that can be tough when we're split the way we are today. As someone who studies this, who's so well-versed in it, do you think, what would be, what would you recommend from, as someone who, you know, a learned person in this, you talked about some of the ways you could possibly reform or, or tweak it so you don't get rid of it. What do you think would be the best course of action? That's hard to say because there are a lot of different factors here. And I think where we're heading, and I think a reasonable case could be made that the country is better served by not having the filibuster and simply going back to majority uh, rule as we originally had. Or a combination of let's get rid of the we get rid of the filibuster as it works today, but we're going to require you to actually stand and debate in the Senate so that you're now on the record as showing I stand in opposition to this. No, nobody gets to hide anymore the way it, it's done all in back rooms and with little messages to each other. You have to go out there. You have to stand. And if the public reacts negatively to you standing up and filibustering authorization to go to war, a new tax cut for corporations, a new tax benefit for some others, then we're going to all see you there and you're going to be on record. And you want to keep talking for 36, 48 hours and completely gum up the work of the Senate? Then you do that in person. That You can't just sit there and you know, these guys sit back in their leather chairs and invoke the, the threat of the filibuster. It's not even the filibuster. You're just threatening to use it. And because of the threat, we're not even, you're not, nothing gets done. So there is a way, perhaps, of making people do it in a proper way. But even that, uh, I'm really not sure whether the country is well served by having the filibuster. We're just, we're beyond it at this point. And it might be the kind of thing, yes, we are a deliberative body in the United States Senate. Yes, we should take longer to do it. But when you got the votes, you got the votes and you move forward. And this is scary because if you're if you're a Democrat, a real partisan Democrat, think about what could the Senate have done? What kind of tax cuts or new immigration policies or anything could have been that could have been done for two years and then you hope you win enough seats in the next election in order to come back and to uh, to reverse these things and to implement some of your agenda. And we could have this whipsaw effect. This is not an easy question to answer. Overall, I would come down and say, I am not convinced that the filibuster serves the interest of the republic the way it was intended and therefore should be reformed. It didn't come about until the 1830s and really not for another generation later was it really used a lot. So I don't think we owe any obligation to it. You know, there's, there's nothing in the Constitution that says this is sacred and things change. 
that's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.